You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Doc G, and this is the What's Up Next Podcast. And this is Paul Thompson. You're listening to the What's Up Next Podcast. Wait, Paul, aren't our guests supposed to be saying this? That would require us to actually have guests, so we're doing something a little bit different today. Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, normally this is when I would give a nice introduction to all the smart people that are on the phone or on the call, but instead it's just me and Doc. And we're going to talk a little bit about our stories and why we are doing this podcast. So this is the why of the What's Up Next podcast. Paul, I feel like I've been talking about my origin story all over the internet. (laughs) I feel like I've told my origin story a bunch of times on different podcasts, but I haven't heard your origin story that often elucidated for the public. Tell us about how you got into financial independence and real estate in the first place. Well, I was a, a working soul, a working wage earner type guy with a W-2 job. And I was working my way up the corporate ladder and I discovered about 15 years into my career that my ladder was on the wrong wall. And I really wanted out of my day job. And I had been investing in index funds and with Vanguard since the early 2000s, but I was not a prodigious saver as compared to financial independence folks. I, I, you know, I was saving 20% of my, <laughs> of my income, which is, you know, insulting uh, when you think about it from a financial independence point of view, but I had enough capital in the background that it gave me some confidence that I could branch out and do something else. And so that's re- why I started looking for other ways to earn an alternative income. And I found that real estate was a way for me to realize financial independence more quickly than just doing index fund investing because I could have some more influence over the outcome. How long before you left your job did you start kind of in real estate? When did you discover it compared to, compared to when you left your W-2? So in 2015 is when I started and I left my W-2 in 2018. So right at three years, but it was, I was actually kicked out of my job and I was planning on retiring. And, but the one thing about my story I don't like is that I was not able to submit my resignation and walk out with FU money. I was kicked out and said, well, you know, by the way, guys, I have FU money. doesn't matter. So, so it wasn't a matter of your ladder being on the wrong wall. Someone moved the wall from your ladder. Yeah. And the, the big difference is when I was laid off, I wasn't stressed and I didn't go back to the corporate world. I, uh, because that was, I was so afraid of that. I was afraid that I would be in a corporate world. I was a single income family. I, I'm married, but I, my, my wife does not work. It's a specific choice that we made. And I was vulnerable. If I hadn't had alternative sources of income, I would have been vulnerable had I been laid off and not have some cushion or some other sources of income. You know, I like talking about this idea of alternative sources of income because I think that was a big part of my origin story. I grew up looking at my father who was a physician and I looked up to him immensely and he died suddenly when I was eight years old. And that 
made real concrete in me this idea that I should be like my dad. I should become a physician. I should continue to carry the torch that he was no longer able uh, to handle. So I grew up with this idea that I would become a doctor and that was my purpose and meaning. And I spent all my time studying in high school and college. I went to medical school and residency. And as the years passed, I loved my job and I certainly found a sense of identity in it. But there was something nagging there, always telling me that being a physician didn't exactly fit my full purpose in life. And, and I knew this. I knew it from the beginning. I liked being a physician. I really loved helping people. But it was a difficult job and a painful job at times. And there was this other part of me, this creative side, that never got full play. So I knew I liked to write. I knew I liked poetry. I knew I liked to communicate and give talks. And I explored that. I started a blog about medicine, but it never really became front and center because I was always so busy being a doctor. And, you know, about five years ago, a little more, I started getting really burned out with medicine. Uh, it was exhausting. And I was not sleeping a lot and I was taking lots of phone calls. And I was sitting in my office seeing patients and my secretary comes up and says, some guy is on the phone. Who wants to talk to you? And I'm like, well, who is it? And she's like, his name is Jim Daly, and he wants you to read his book and review it on your blog. At that time, I was writing a blog about medicine and what it felt like to be a doctor and the experience of doctoring. And so I took his phone call, and he said, I'm from The White Coat Investor. I just wrote this book called The White Coat Investor. Will you review it for me? And I'm like, sure, send me a free book. I'll, I'll take it. In fact, I, I almost offered, I almost asked how much I had to pay for the book, uh, but held my tongue long enough for him to say he would just send it to me. And so I got his book, The White Coat Investor, and I read through it, and it changed my world. And I realized that I was not only financially independent, but it had a lot of these good financial habits that would protect me and that would allow me to possibly leave this job that wasn't fulfilling my sense of purpose anymore, or at least scaling back on it. And when I thought that was going to bring me a bunch of joy and excitement, it actually scared me because I needed to then think about who I am as a person and what my identity really is and what my purpose in the future should look like. That eventually spurred me to do a deep dive into the personal finance blogosphere. And I decided to start writing myself and started Diversify uh, my blog. And I now realize that the point of the blog was actually starting to give me the courage and to work through the thought process that would allow me to start extricating myself from this job of being a physician, something that from an identity standpoint was very difficult. So on the blog, I was able to take apart not only how I would deal with my finances once I started pulling away from this job, but also emotionally and mentally what would fill my time and how would I still feel good as a person, even if I wasn't identifying myself as a physician anymore. And that was kind of the road that led me here. That led to the blog. Talk to me a little bit about what made you decide to start this podcast in particular. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story because I've heard bits and pieces of that, Doc, and I, I'm always curious why why financial independence. I'll answer your question about me first or, or next, but why there's a lot of different worlds that you could have gone into. What was it about this particular topic that helps you find that purpose and identity? I don't know if this topic helped me find the purpose and identity. It helped me realize it. And so what I mean by this is I always had the identity as being a fairly financially savvy person. And I grew up with financially savvy parents who modeled for me great behavior. They modeled for me saving and investing and real estate. So this was always part of who I was. What personal finance allowed me, especially the financial independence community, it allowed me to embrace my financial stability so that I could let go of the W-2 job enough to really start pursuing my own purpose and identity. So what I feel my purpose and identity are is that I am a creator, a communicator, 
someone who likes writing, doing podcasts, public speaking. Financial independence is what I can do those things about, but I can also write and public speak and podcast about medicine. So financial independence has given me the lever to pull so that I had the freedom and energy and financial safety to pursue this purpose. Uh, Without financial independence, I probably would be stuck working more hours. I might not have the emotional energy to really pursue these things that I now identify as purpose. But because I had become financially independent, I could do all these things Mm. and I could fail and not make a cent and be mediocre. And as long as they gave me joy, that would be good enough. Yeah, and I can't have a hard time imagining you being mediocre really at anything, Doc. But that's I, I understand what you're what you're getting at there. So you, back to your question about why I would do a podcast, because I think uh, I'll ask you the same question: why the podcast next? But to answer your question, I was already doing a podcast about real estate, and I've gained a certain level of expertise in real estate that I really really enjoy sharing. But it also puts me in a bit of a box that I don't always want to stay in. Real estate is, I have discovered, is my zone of excellence, but it is not my zone of genius. And it's that's a, those are terms that come from a book that I read called The Big Leap. And it's kind of a vernacular or a nomenclature that you can use about where you find your motivation and where you get that flow state. And I have found that I get that flow state when I'm creating, writing, thinking of stories, and then sharing something I've learned with or for somebody else. So I, I like other people and I like having really interesting, deep, inspiring conversations with really engaging people, which is what you find in the financial independence movement. The kind of people that we have in our community are incredibly interesting. That's why I love doing podcasts where I'm talking to other people. And I want to do something a little bit different than what's being done out there. There are a lot of interview style podcast out there and they're really good. But I I know guests get tired of repeating their same origin story over and over again because that's what you do on and when you're introducing somebody to and so I didn't want to do that again. So I want to do something with a little, little different angle and I want to take the conversation that we're having in the financial independence movement to the next level and go you just go that much deeper into what we were talking about and the way I found that was by seeing these panels at some of the conferences I went to and those conferences, they had such good roundtable conversations. And I thought there's got to be some way to capture that in a podcast format so that we can share those conversations that you can only get live to the broader audience. So I love what you just said there, your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. I've been using a very similar idea, but using different words. I've always said that being a physician is probably what I'm best at, but being a communicator is what I think my true purpose is. Mm. And I think it gets to that same idea. So I had started writing and public speaking because that was a way for me to communicate and use kind of that creation. And just like you, that was a way for me to tell stories in a way that mattered. And so you and I met at a Camp Fi, and I had met various people at these meetups as well as online, and they had heard different podcasts I had been on, and they had heard me talk ad nauseum about things I was passionate about. And they all kind of looked at me and said, you need to do a podcast. There, there are two, in fact, I'd like to thank that, that specifically pushed me in this direction. One was Dave from Accidental Fire. He said, man, I've listened to your podcast. You should really do your own. And he was kind of part of that initial push. And then the other was David from Phiology, uh, who also uh, is brothers with Stephen, who does the Camp Fies. And David kind of looked at me and said, you should do a podcast and, and you should do it with Paul Thompson. <laughs> I don't know. Did he, did he approach you and say the same thing? Uh, so here's what the way that worked out is. So I met David at the first campfire that I went to and we kept up pretty, pretty much because he's a real estate investor as well. And he started doing this phylogy thing and I really just was admired what he's creating there at, at phylogy. 
And I thought, I wonder if there would be some way to take what he's doing in a blog format and turn that into a podcast. Because I was kind of looking for this idea of doing a podcast that wasn't just real estate specific. And I thought maybe his framework might be a different kind of angle to take. And I met you and I started talking to Dave about what, or David, I guess, what, what, what we could do with that. And he said, you know, why, why don't you just do one with Doc G? So he's actually the one that, that paired us up in a way that I hadn't really thought about before. And then we went to FinCon in 2018, in September 2018. And we kind of, go, going into that, we knew we were, we were bouncing off some ideas, but we didn't have a plan. And then while I was at FinCon, some of the classes, some of the lectures that went on gave me some of the inspiration. And then I saw some of the panel discussions and it, it kind of coalesced a couple of days after FinCon. I think I have an idea that I don't see other people doing at scale. Yeah. And so people don't realize, but you and I saw each other like three weekends in a row or three, like not in a row, but within a, a, a short few months because we both um, went to Camp Fi Midwest and then we both spoke at Camp Fi South like two weeks later. Right. And then by that time, we were already talking about doing something together so that when we showed up at FinCon, we kind of had this idea of let's do this. And I definitely have to give you a lot of credit. It was a stroke of genius to look at these panels because um, I knew that you and I could do something and I knew that we came at life kind of from different perspectives but had a good rapport with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know how we were going to make it special or different. And I think you added that little extra ingredient that, that made it interesting. And as you've said, and I agree, there are a lot of great podcasts out there. There are a lot of great personal finance podcasts mm -hmm. out there that interview people and really go in depth about their origin story. So I know that that was a big pull for me to get involved with this is it, it took a slightly different look at the topic. And I knew if we were going to actually interest people in listening, as opposed to just talking to ourselves, we couldn't just be your typical interview podcast. Let me ask you this. Did you have any fears going into the project? The only fear that I have about going to the project is not wasting other people's time or, being uh, kind of like a me too storyteller, I, I wanted to come at it with a fresh perspective. That That is my, so less of a fear and more of a goal of not being a copycat. That's, that's definitely my angle. Yeah, I definitely came at it with a little bit of fear. I definitely have fears. I don't necessarily always talk about them, but I certainly had a fear that I was going to fall on my face. I remember there was a moment right on our first podcast, right? So, we had Chad Carson on and Gwen Mers and Bianca, Miss Mazuma. And so these are all people like I had heard about a few years back and then had kind of become friends with over the last year. Right. And so I've invited them on this podcast. I've never podcasted before. Who knows whether I'd say something of any intelligence or not. And we're about to get started. And I like take a deep breath and like it hits me. I'm sitting with all these people on the podcast and I have no clue what I'm doing. And I'm like, this could either go really well uh, or this could turn out horribly. And I remember at some point I just kind of jumped in, right? That's what you do in life. Yep. You kind of dive in head first and you figure I'll deal with the consequences later. Thankfully, they all as well as you are so brilliant that uh, it, it clearly was going to turn out well, regardless of what I did. But, but at the time, I didn't know that. And I you know, I think that's funny about trying new things. It's like you just never know where they're going to go. Yeah, that's funny, Doc, because I didn't know that you were going through that, but it kind of makes sense. That was the first time you were doing a podcast. I had done enough of my own, I guess, that I that particular part of it didn't really didn't really scare or worry me too much. But it's that's really almost noble of you to share that because how many people are thinking about doing something similar or you know, writing a blog, doing a podcast, or just being a guest on somebody, it, it really often does, the, the, the fear holds you back from not, and, and, you, and it keeps you from jumping in. And so many good things happen when, when you do that. And for, if nothing other than we make better friendships with the people who are on our guests and nobody listens to our podcast, it would still be worth it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this idea of vulnerability, right? So, 
almost every time in my life I've allowed myself to be vulnerable, it's almost always turned out well. Mm-hmm. But the problem is having the guts to be vulnerable. And how many, how many projects have, have you stopped up short on uh, just because it got to that vulnerability moment and you were afraid to jump in? And I agree with you. Like the, one of the great things about the podcast is it gives me an excuse to reach out and interact with all these people that I just think are amazing. And so there is not a single guest that we've had on that I haven't been totally impressed with and hadn't read up on and known about. So you get all these cool, amazing people on and you get to just ask them whatever you want mostly. And, and I think there's, you know, it's, it's a freedom and it's a power, but, but, you know, it's a connection. And it's given me a pathway to reach out and connect with some people that I'm just really impressed with. Yeah, you. If you don't have a podcast or a reason to reach out to somebody, how do you reach out to Chad Carson and say, "Hey, I think you're cool." You know, it's like it's nice to have some larger underlying reason to talk to him, and simply by hitting record. And we go out of our way to kind of get over the fact that we're hitting record and try and make it as casual as possible. But when you hit record and you know that you're going to keep uh, most of what you record and share it with the world, it it gives you a reason to have a conversation with somebody else. And I don't know, maybe it's something about our society now, but it's I now get to have more of those conversations than I would have otherwise because I've agreed to record them and share them in the world. It's almost like you just need to carry a record button with you around. Like next time you go to FinCon or some kind of meeting, you just have your record button and you hit it and start talking to people and all of a sudden you'll have much better conversations. When you have, uh, when you're a content producer, that's a great point. And this, I heard this first when I was talking about a YouTube channel is we are all creating content in our lives all the time. It's just whether or not you're actually recording it and taking bits of it and putting on the internet or not. So, and for whatever reason, this is something that I've still getting my head around is that people want to hear about details of other people's lives that you would think were somewhat mundane, but it, 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 it makes the person that you look up to or like a real person, especially when they're being really authentic and they're giving you a piece of advice or they're just saying, I'm having trouble with this. Maybe you should too. Like, what is it about showing your vulnerability actually makes people and endears you, endears people to you? All right. So most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago. And I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. 
And some nights, we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave, and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Yeah, and, and one of, I think, the difficulties of a podcast, any podcast and certainly this podcast, is trying to tease out those vulnerabilities in yourself and in those guests without making it feel funny or uncomfortable and creating something that has value that people want to listen to. Um, What do you think have been the biggest difficulties for you with this podcast since we started it? So for me, it's just making sure that I'm asking good questions and getting out of the way. Uh, I really want to feature the I definitely want to feature the, the the guests, but more importantly, I want to feature the the greater conversation that is created as a result of having multiple guests. And so it's you might think of that as like a mastermind concept, but I don't mean it in the sense that this we meet every week. I mean creating a larger set of ideas, and that's what I'm trying to get. That, that, that's what I'm grasping for, and so that's my my the, the challenge that that this podcast. And it doesn't happen just willy-nilly. You have to kind of massage that conversation out. Let the, 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 my favorite part of this show is when we get out of the way and the guests start talking to each other and we're just hitting record. And we don't have to uh, direct the conversation for the second half of the interview. When we do that, I feel like we've done our job. Yeah, and that that certainly is the fun part. And and it, it occasionally it's really hard because I think we too have this vision of what the conversation should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that does kind of work in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately you have to let the conversation go where it needs to go. I've found probably the most difficult part about this podcast being it's my first podcast, I have nothing to compare it to, but what what is hardest for me is the logistics of getting you know, five or six people together in the same place at the same time and making the panels work. To have a good panel discussion, you know, I feel like you need a balanced panel where you have people who speak. Everyone can't kind of have the same theory or speak about the same things. You need diverse viewpoints, um, but you need to find a time and a place that everyone can get together. And then there's the little logistics that you have very little control over it. Just like whether the sound quality is good, uh, whether the person's mic who's joining is good. You, you have no control over those things. And I think even deeper than that, one of the difficulties is I truly hope that the guests come out of it feeling proud of what's been accomplished and feeling like they got something out of the experience. And I think that's also kind of a difficulty, not because it doesn't happen, but more because it's one of my fervent wishes that people right. come out of this podcast and say, you know, when someone says to me, boy, recording that was really fun. Nailed it. Like yeah. that's like the, that's the best thing you can say to me after we recorded, because that yeah. says to me that we created this environment that, you know, even just the recording of the podcast was a good time where a good conversation was ahead. Ultimately, I'd love to take a recorder and sit in the bar and drink a few beers and meet with these same people and have the same conversation and just record what happens when no one thinks anyone's looking, right? Because those are the kind of conversations I want to have, but I also realize that we need a certain amount of structure involved. And, And that's kind of trying to find that middle ground of having both structure and then having conversations that take off on their own. Structure, and yet the people talking forget about that there are microphones on and, and they're yeah. having a legitimate 
conversation about a topic that we brought up and then we just kind of fade into the background and then we come in afterwards and say, Hey, that, that was interesting. Wasn't it? I really liked that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love to say the fact that, you know, if we do our jobs well, uh, neither you nor I have to be particularly brilliant because our panelists will do the job for oh, us. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, because if it that were up, is one of the gratifying things. If it were up to me to fill an entire, every week, fill a, a conversation up with brilliance, I mean, it, it would, it'd, be, it'd be a short-lived podcast. You know, there's only so much that you, I can come up with. That's why I like having other people to bring in. So really very selfishly, I want to steal the people's ideas. I say steal. I want to learn from other people and take these new ideas that are created as a result of these conversations and allow it to help me formulate my view on life. And I I don't want to create an echo chamber. I I love the idea of having a contrasting point of view and really taking several different angles at a conversation and then allowing the audience to, and me and you and whoever else is listening to adjust potentially their path to five. Yeah, I I definitely worry about the echo chamber. I realize that we have biases. We come into this with our own specific viewpoint. And being a co-host, it's sometimes you sometimes push things in the direction you think they should go. Yeah. Uh, But that's exactly what happens in an echo chamber is you just keep on reasserting each other's opinions. So that's something I try to be wary of too is – is allowing it to go in directions that I had no clue about uh, and conversations to take place that I didn't suspect would happen when we started. And I think if you can do that, if you can stay away from the typical financial independence checklist of this is what you need to do and why, uh, I think it creates a, a rich conversation. Are there things that you've learned about yourself by doing this podcast? And, and are there things you've learned about me? We didn't really know each other real well when you started this. Well, I'll answer the last question first because everything that I assumed that I knew about you or I suspected I knew about you has only been reinforced, That I, <laughs> which are all good things, that I really enjoy the conversations. You're extremely thoughtful and I, I just en- en- enjoy your company. And so it's it's nice to have a friend that you can talk shop with, but then pull in fresh points of view and just talk about what we enjoy talking about. And I really like it when it doesn't confirm my confirmation bias. That's that's what I've learned about, I would say about my, about what I've learned from it so far is I I have this thing about, college and what it's really worth. And I'm actually pretty skeptical about it, but yet I find myself just, I can't even explain why, but I still think my kids should go to college. Now I want to do it in a smart way where they're not spending a bunch of money or incurring a lot of debt, but I still feel like that's not a bad choice. But but the reasons might be different from what they were when I went to college. But I was surprised that that's what our guests on that particular episode came up with as well. And I I actually expected one or two of them to say, you know, I'm not really sure it's worth it for most people. And they actually said, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is still worth considering. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I thought the same exact thing. I thought at least one of the guests was going to say, you know what, don't do it. The opportunity costs are not worthwhile you know, go get, go learn a skill and use that. So I was actually taken by surprise on that too. This has been a learning process and I've got to know you a lot better uh, since we've done this show. And what I think is great about you, Paul, and I really do think this is, is like, if I know something, I'm the first one to start talking about it. What I love about you, Paul, and I realize this in Camp Fi and I just see it more and more is you know a lot of things but you don't feel that need to jump in and say them before everyone else. Hmm. And so what I like about that is you sit back and you listen and you let it marinate and then you come out with something brilliant. Hmm. And I really, really like that. I, you know, your depth of knowledge, I believe is deep on a lot of topics. Uh, at the campfire, I learned that that about real estate. I think in this podcast, I've learned about financial independence and about people in general. Right. Um, 
But unlike me, you don't feel this need to like jump in there and, and say it right away. <laughs> and so I like that. It, it's different than I am. And I enjoy the fact that I know you're sitting back there formulating a plan and then you come out with, with a question or an idea and I'm like, yes, that's it. That's what I was trying to say. And I just didn't know how to say it. And, and there you are, Paul, saying it perfectly. So I, I really enjoy that. About me, I've learned, for one, I guess I'm a lot more ordered <laughs> than I thought I was. I know you've noticed this too. Yep. What, what, you got, what people don't see that when we're recording this, I am texting back and forth with Paul saying, okay, do this question now. Go here. Do this person next. And I realized that uh, I like order. Like one of the things that I'll be trying to do as the podcasts go on is stop trying to organize the conversation as much to sit back a little more and like you, allow things to progress the way they are going to progress. I think one thing about being someone who creates and who's created on a blog for so many years, right? Because mm -hmm. before I did Diversify, I had my own medical blog for years before right. that. Mm -hmm. I'm used to having 100% control of what the creation looks like. I may not like the end product, but I could change it as much as I possibly could. I could put it in its box and, you know, I was master of all. I realize in the podcast, part of what will probably, hopefully one day make it brilliant is not having the control is right. letting things occur as they can as they occur and seeing what magic happens from there uh, so that's something i'm learning about myself it's i think part of the growth process that doing something like this which is completely new for me has allowed well and it's just so much fun to just think of an idea as like i have a question you know i, I there's this i have a big standing theory that uh, the, the quality of your life is the quality of your questions. And so when you surround yourself with people who are you respect and you actually want their opinion and you ask the right questions, I don't say the right questions, you ask good questions and you let them talk. Oh, and, and, it, and it helps you formulate your view of the world. I really like that. That is probably what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Yeah. And I, again, learning that as I go further and further in this journey, that listening deeply is such an important skill and asking the right probing questions and then sitting back and taking it in uh, will inform you more as well as help you get to know other people on such a different level than if you're just too busy talking away on your own. And that's something that I've really tried to take to heart. And I think this process of building this podcast has helped me with that skill. I think a lot of people, Paul, don't realize that this is one of the many things you do. So tell the audience what's kind of up next in your life. What are you doing besides this podcast? Because it sounds to me like you've got your hands in a lot of different projects. Yeah, I guess I have a lot of irons in the fire for sure. Well, I have my my real estate business that I run all the time, which I have my rentals, which is largely what I earn while my, where my expenses are covered from, which where most of my income comes from. But if you do that right, that doesn't take you a lot of time. And so I've kind of set that up to where I probably spend less than 10 hours a month. So I should come out with, instead of the four hour work week, the 10 hour work month uh, book. <laughs> but instead of writing that book, I am, I am writing a book and it's coming out in March of 2019 of how I escaped from corporate America and how I am trying to help other people who would, who wish to escape from a unfulfilling day job using investments to lead a life of their own design. That's the whole idea behind the book. And it's just in case people don't know, tell us a little bit about your original podcast. You're still doing it. Uh, tell people what that covers. Yeah, it's called Ready Investor One. And that podcast is very real estate specific. And it's really, I would say half of it is about mindset and half of it is about the mechanics of real estate. So I refer to it as it is the, the mindset and methodologies of becoming a, a successful real estate investor. And most of it is monologue. I probably have about... Um, 20% of the episodes are when I'm doing interviews or something a little bit different. Uh, but I, that one is, I think of it as my pulpit and that's where I go and give my sermon once a week on what is going on in my life. And I try and make it so that it's 
relevant to really anybody who's listening. But then if you are also a real estate investor, it gives you that kind of deeper level of understanding so you can make some refinements to your business. Yeah. Two thoughts. One is most people are amazed, but I've heard both from you and Chad, that when you get to that point where you really figure out your real estate as a way to make a living, mm -hmm. you can really cut back on the hours. 10 hours a month, it's, that's pretty incredible, being that that's the main mechanism in which you support yourself. Uh, that was thought one. Thought two, doing a podcast where you're doing a monologue or a soliloquy on a regular basis, I imagine is incredibly hard. <laughs> it is. It's like, I, I like yeah. to hear myself talk and all, but I don't know if I could do it regularly and be coherent. Well, but Doc, you write a blog article every single day. Just read your blog article and you could do, you could have a podcast daily. Yeah. The, the, those are just random words. I just put it on <laughs> the miser and I say, I say, I need 550 words for Tuesday and it spits something out and I just put it up there, put a few graphics. That's, that's about it. So in my life right now, I'd say I have three or four major things going on. Um, I have the blog, Diversify, which I really enjoy writing. I've been writing a lot over the last 10 years. I use it as kind of my personal diary or my daily meditation. It's a way I kind of get my ideas out. And it, it's mm -hmm. also a call for action. I found that by writing about things that matter to me, I'm able to clarify my thoughts and writing leads to action. It's led to me pulling back at work. It's led probably to this podcast. It's really? led to creation in a lot of other places in my life. So that's kind of thing number one. Number two is obviously this podcast. I really enjoy this podcast. I enjoy the people we get to interact with. I enjoy sitting and talking to you, Paul. I think it's just a real great way to explore our community and get past those basic conversations and try to really grasp at what's important. On top of that, I've been trying to do more public speaking. So I am part of a speaker's bureau. It scares the heck out of me to stand up in front of a yeah. group of people and talk. And yet it's also one of the things that lights me up. I love to tell stories, whether they be about medicine or personal finance or about life in general. And I feel a real rush doing that. So I'm in a speaker's bureau. I'm giving three or four talks about medicine this year. I'm also going to be speaking at some of the Camp Fives, so it's going to give me a real chance to improve my chops when it comes to public speaking, but also to reach people and to tell my stories, because I think that's one of the greatest things we get to do in life, is we get to tell our stories in a meaningful way, and that's something I've certainly enjoyed and I will continue doing. I still do hospice work a few days a week. It keeps me busy. It, you know, I have 12 to 15 hours a week of meetings and then I answer pages and texts, uh, but it's very doable. And I think it's part of that last part of holding on to that identity of myself as a physician. And I don't think I'll ever let that go. While I've decided to move my purpose and identity away from just being a physician, I don't want to abandon it completely. I think it'll always be part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's so cool is that you get to dial that back. And in your case, you're not going to be seeing patients, which I can imagine is, I, I can only imagine. I can't, wow. And, but yet you still get the, the significance that it gives you probably and the contribution. And so I kind of have this philosophy that anything that we're doing in life, that there's either your, your intention probably has one of two outcomes. One is to make you look good or two is to contribute to the world. And I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm not just trying to look good. It, it, it feels good to look good, but that's not the purpose. That's not where you're going to find actual joy. I like to contribute, put something out into the world, enrich somebody else's life. And I find that is the far more rewarding than puffing your chest, chest out about something that you may have looked good doing. I agree with you completely. And being in hospice does allow me to still kind of contribute to the world, um, but do in a less stressful way. And the other part that people forget is the social aspect. So people forget the importance of socialization. I get to go to these meetings with nurses and chaplains and social workers 
and we sit around and we talk about how to care for the dying. And that's just enriches my life to be a part of those people's lives and to have that daily schedule and routine. So where, Paul, do you think the What's Up Next podcast is going next? What's the future of the podcast? What's up for What's Up Next? I want to have the absolute most enriching, engaging, thought-provoking conversations we possibly can. So I want to double down on the, the depth of the questions and really pull on some of the threads that we've only kind of touched on. I, I would not be surprised if we go back and revisit some episodes because these are not questions intentionally. Most of these questions are not questions that have a very clear one or zero answer. They're, they're nuanced. And that's what I want to play with is, is the nuance so that people who are going through some of these life situations and they're trying to plan for their future can really think about how it applies to their life. I, I want someone to take something useful from these conversations and it's probably not going to be, Oh, this is, you will invest in a 529. Yes or no. It's not going to be that clean. It's going to be more about the right questions to be asking. This is what three or four people said about that particular subject. And it either that does apply to me or it doesn't. And I found some inspiration and I may actually now take this action because of this nuanced answer that isn't always clean cut. Yeah, so this is our 20th recording. Uh, we're not sure when we'll release it, whether we'll do them in orders or not, but right. even this is a departure from our basic panel yeah. format. I could see in the future us doing an occasional one-on-one -on -one interview uh, when it was called for. I could see us maybe doing interviews with just two people. I think our format may change from time to time. I sure. think the panel will continue to be our main format, but whether we revisit past episodes or bring people back on who've been on before to talk about the same topic or a different topic, uh, I could see that all happening in the future. Uh, we want to create, obviously, fresh content, uh, but we also want to stick to what people like too. So it's that mix of it's changing things up from time to time but not abandoning the idea of panel discussions because I think they really do provide a unique perspective. I want to do a lot more live events where we're having these conversations where some of these people are gathered and then people in the audience gets to interact with some of the questions that are going on. And so some of the live questions being asked of the panel are not from you and me, but from the actual audience. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think hopefully we'll be at a, a campfire together and we're certainly looking towards FinCon uh, in the coming year. And I'm hoping that that might give us the chance to be together in the same place with some of our panelists. There will obviously be some logistic issues, you know, how many mics we have, how we make sure that people are heard in the audience. But we love to get some of those recorded uh, and then put them out there because I agree it adds yet another layer to the conversation and adds more voices uh, and can certainly bring out new and important content in an engaging and entertaining way. And I think that's what, what both of us are really looking for. I guess last but not least, uh, the episode that's coming out in a few days will have a short dialogue about Jillian Johnsrud's course in money coaching. And I know we, you and I have talked about whether to monetize. Will we monetize? Will we endorse any products? What do you think right. about that? Yeah, so what we've uh, come to is that it does cost some money to run and operate these the, a podcast. It's not free, so, or it's not free for us. So we are looking to subsidize some of the expenses associated with it, but I really don't like going to a, some sort of third party and then having them impose what they want us to say. So instead, we're going to go more of the affiliate link approach of things. But what the way we're doing that is we're going to be working with guests that have content or products or services that we f believe in and that we feel like could serve the audience. And so 
as an example, Jillian has a money coach school product. Well, we had an episode on money coach school. So that is a natural win-win scenario where we get to share in connecting Jillian with some of our audience and then we get a commission for it. And so the, the disclosure is fully out there that when you purchase a something that you hear through the podcast, we might, in some cases, there may not be a commission, but in a lot of cases there will be. And if you choose to partake in one of those, then you get something of value that we feel like we, we feel strongly about. We get a commission, helps, helps our pay our fees. And then the, the, the guest that was on here was able to generate some income and help serve the, our, our audience. Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable way to do it. If we can create a win for everyone involved, uh, that's always best. Right. So this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, I wanted to thank Doc G and Paul Thompson. That's a wrap. So I have to say that that's one of the best episodes we've had. Brilliant. Um, I, I, I'm always amazed at the brilliance of our panelists. We and do attract today, the best audience around, or the best audience and definitely the best panelists. They're yeah, and, brilliant. And, to, and today they kind of surprised me. You know, when I book these two, I was like, ah, this is going to be, this is going to be dead. Bunch of schmucks. I, I, I was struggling to figure what to ask them, but strangely enough, they kind of came through. Weren't you surprised? Well, what was weird is uh, you did all the question answering and I did, I did all the an- or, or asking and I did all the answering. So I, I really should turn this around. We should have another one where I'm grilling you with a bunch of questions. Yeah, my, I'm not that interesting. See, I, I already <laughs> knew. I just figured that if I asked you all the important questions, we would come up with an episode that someone might want to hear. Uh, if it had gone the other way around, they probably would be turning it off within the first few minutes. That's right. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.